along to another edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. This is episode three of season five. I'm Kev. Uh, I'm your host as always. Um, I've got James Cunliffe, the Luton Town, sorry, Lutonian, I keep saying that, Lutonian journalist with me. Uh, we've got no Tony this month. Uh, he's having a few um, personal issues that he's dealing with. So we've subbed him off and we've brought Danny Barrett-Davis back in from the last podcast. Danny, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us and, back. And we have special guests, the voice of Luton Town, who thankfully we haven't heard as much of this season than last, Simon Pitts. Simon, thanks for joining us. No worries. My pleasure, Kevin. Excellent. James, how are you doing? You all good? Yes, mate. Very good. You? Yep, all good. Um, lots to talk about. What we will do with this podcast, as we have done um, for the last season, we'll split it up into two parts. We will cover the football uh, what we've seen uh, in the first part and then in the second one we'll get stuck into some sort of um, different topics and look ahead to the next few games. Uh, just as a reference point, Simon's joining us for the first part of the podcast but we'll get a bit controversial in the second part so we'll let him go so we don't get into too much trouble. Um, let's get started then with the very beginning. Um, three games since we last done a podcast and Simon the first of those was, well, it was a game of two halves, and I think that's actually a trend that we're going to discuss uh, for the next 15 or 20 minutes, actually. But the first one was at Blackburn, where the first half you thought we were still on the international break. But the second half, thankfully, we came back from it just in the right time. Yeah, indeed. And, uh, you know, I think if the match had gone on longer, we may have even got three points out of it. But, um, you know, obviously grateful that uh, Luke Berry popped up off the bench, two well-taken goals, some great work in the build-ups as well, the crossing, Pelly Radic and Pounds are involved in both. Um, you know, but yeah, as you said, Blackburn took their chances um, in the first half and probably, you know, it, it needed us to get the tempo back to get the draw. And, um, you know, I thought we, we worked really hard and the team spirit was great, especially latter stages. And, you know, it was, it was a well-earned point, but it could have been more. Yeah, we're going to come on to squad depth and everything else in a minute, but we really showed that squad depth in that game, didn't we? Sonny Bradley came back from injury at half-time in that game after we had already lost uh, Admiral Musque in the um, warm-up to that game. That's also a theme that we'll, we'll discuss shortly. Uh, his influence of changing the formation and um, getting more men in the box and, and Luke Berry coming on uh, was pivotal, really. But we had a lot of chances in that second half, didn't we? I think Cameron Jerome missed one uh, that the keeper saved rather than miss. Um, we had another couple, couple of half chances. You kind of got the feeling when one came, if there was enough time, a second would follow it. And thankfully, in the 98th minute for the second time this season, we scored a 98th minute goal. Uh, Barry popped up lovely chest control. And once he got it under control, I think everyone just started to go mad because they knew he was finding the back of the net. Yeah, indeed. I mean, let's take nothing away from the header down from um, Cameron Jerome as well. It was a wonderful ball in um, from Mpanzu that um, Cameron Jerome just saw the run of Berry. Um, a lovely header to uh, to lay it off to him. Um, you know, and Berry in the right place, making that run from midfield um, to, to be there as he had for the first goal. And, you know, it was one of those, wasn't it, where we we weren't, you know, we weren't that poor that we deserved to be 2-0 down, but Blackburn took their chances um, and then, you know, we kept going and, and we fought back well in that second half. We really did. And in between the first goal and the second goal, it needs to be noted that Simon Saluga made a brilliant save in injury time. And a follow-up block from Gabriel Osho was every bit as outstanding as well. And when you look back at the end of this season, if we achieve something by a point, those two, um, those two bits of effort really should be rewarded. 
Absolutely, yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, that, that save from Sluger and his involvement. I mean, yes, Blackburn had two chances, I think, during the second half. But, you know, overall, they, they didn't, to me, they didn't look like a team that were going to be scoring regular goals in that second period. We were on top. Um, but it did need great saves and great interventions from the defenders, as you mentioned there, to um, to deny them wrapping up the points, which, you know, would have probably put an end to things. But, you know, as we said, it, it, you needed great support at both ends of the field. Um, and we got that in that second period. And, and we got the point that I think over 90 minutes, um, we more than deserved. Well, 98, thanks to the well, referee. Yeah. We, will, we will come on to that idiot a little bit later because um, that was about as bad a refereeing performance as I ever wished to see uh, in my life. I'll bring all the boys in for the next game because they all saw it either in the stadium, like myself and Simon, or on iFollow listening to Simon. Uh, and James, I'll start with you. It felt like a win at Blackburn with the lateness of that goal. And we took that into that Bristol City game. Have you any idea how we went into that half uh, half-time break, nil-nil? Yeah, they spent a minute in the first half not hitting the net when they should have scored about four times. So that probably didn't help. Um, so yeah, pretty... I, I thought Bristol City had the best of the opening uh, pit, opening uh, first half of the first half, you know what I mean? But then I think that it came into it then that there was that... Four minutes where, you know, Pelly hit the bar and Cameron Jerome should have scored a header. Barry fluffed a rebound. Henry, Henry Lansbury had a shot saved. Um, not in that order. but um, No, it was in that order, <laughs> just in reverse rather yeah, than in, in, uh, reverse. in that order. <laughs> in reverse. And then, and then, oh yeah, did Tom Lockyer hit the post as well, didn't he, just before half-time? Yeah, so it's like, um, yeah, it just it just wasn't a game. They had so many chances. They should have won that game comfortably. But, um, you know, if you're not going to win it, then drawing it in the last minute with a, with a player that everyone wrote off uh, is a pretty good way to do it. I, I was, I was gutted I wasn't there in the stadium. As soon as he hit it, as it was celebration, obviously, that's the natural reaction. Five seconds later, it was like, bugger, he would have to do that then when I'm not there. Uh, it's the sort of thing you want to be in the stadium for, isn't it? But um, uh, yeah, good on him. <laughs> it's just a shame, isn't it? Because he goes and gets injured the next, the next warm-up. So, uh, that, like you say, that's been a bit of a theme. So, uh, but yeah, good, good on Danny Hilton. They talk about strikers always, you know, needing one to go in off their bum or something just to get started, didn't they? But you know, a, a one-yard tap-in is just as good. So, uh, yeah, the, the 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 very term he couldn't miss really did apply to um, that goal. There was an awful lot of people around me who went suddenly quiet from there. What the bloody hell is he bringing him on for when he came on to? Um, what they were in injury time, who oh, they all celebrated it, funnily enough, which was uh, ironic. Um, mm -hmm. Danny, you watched that game on iFollow. Uh, I yeah. suspect you had similar vibes to um, everyone around me. But, I mean, fair play to Danny Hilton, first and foremost. Uh, he's, whatever everyone thinks, of whether he's a championship striker or not a championship striker, that's for their own opinion. They're all worthy of it. He hasn't given up hope on the fact that he's a championship striker. And he proved that... Um, well, he proved that he can he can do something in the championship this season because it wasn't just a goal. His performance when he came on, he put himself about. He made himself a nuisance. He was every bit the Danny the Danny Hilton that we grew and loved coming up to the championship. I think so. Yeah, I think um, the biggest aspect there, of what you've saying about Hilton, there is his attitude. 
to it. You know, he's, he's got exactly the right attitude you need, especially from someone who's had the best part of two and a half years out and in, out injured. Um, and he's not getting any younger, but I, I was a little bit sceptical when they brought him on. I thought, okay, well, it hasn't worked the last 30 times he's been brought on as a sub. Um, could this be the night? Um, thankfully it was. And he, 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 look, he, he was brought on to do a job and, and he did it well. He did it and he did it well. He made a nuisance of himself, gave a few free kicks away, but that's what Danny Hilton does. He, he gets into opposition defences, uh, he, he gets in their hair, he winds them up, causes, makes a pain of, of himself and uh, he's, he's effective. Um, and it was a little bit of, a, a little bit like the old Danny Hilton that we all know and love. And uh, it, it, I say it's a crying shame that he weren't playing Saturday because I, I, I would have fancied him to score. Um, especially that sitter that Cornet missed, but we'll come on to that later. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was nice to see him back or Brit for 20 minutes. I don't know when we'll see him again. Hopefully he can do the same thing again next time he comes on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that Bristol City game, sometimes you get uh, late levelers or winners or whatever they may be, Simon, that, you know, it's just kind of justice. And I guess that one was, but there was an extra feeling about that because Bristol City pissed everyone off with their throw-ins. Not so much the throw-ins, but the fact that the fella had to go to the washing machine, pick the towel out, dry the ball, put the towel back in the washing machine. It's just an absolute nonsense, that. I mean, he played two minutes of injury time at the end of the first half, and they'd eclipsed that with the first throw-in that they took, and they must have had half a dozen throw-ins in that first half. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But my question, anyway, is, uh, with the late change with Sonny Bradley injuring himself in the warm-up this time, and Cal Naismith playing clearly injured, that was a pretty heroic defensive effort as it was an excellent attacking one. Yeah, I mean, incredible uh, defensive effort. They, you know, they played really well. I didn't think Bristol City were particularly good overall. Um, we, we certainly deserved the three points on that game, as um, you mentioned earlier, you know, all the chances and the shots that came in that 30-second spell when there was three opportunities, plus all the others in the first half. And an amazing stat from that game that all 13 outfield players, only one didn't have a shot. And that was Luke Berry who fluffed the shot one chance that he did have. He didn't actually connect for a shot, but all the other outfield players, the 10 that started in the three subs, every single one had at least a shot on goal. So that's pretty, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? And that kind yeah. of shows really just when you think that we were away from home as well, kind of shows just what our intent is this season. And one of those players that you mentioned um, that had a shot that hit the post, Tom Lockyer, he seemed to enjoy the equaliser, didn't he? He was getting dogs abuse from uh, from one corner of the stand in particular, obviously from his Bristol Rovers days. Um, but he certainly let them have some back when that equaliser went in and fair play to him. He did indeed, yeah. He thoroughly enjoyed that one, didn't he, uh, when the final whistle went. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those, it's the banter in football and obviously there's the big rivalry between City and Rovers and Lockyer having started his career there and playing there for so long. Um, you know, they were going to make sure they reminded him of that. But uh, as they say, you have to... You have the last laugh when Danny Hilton pops up in injury time. Yeah, he last laugh, last loudest. Unfortunately, that wasn't us on Saturday, James. Uh, we'll come come on to the uh, Swansea City game now. And I think at 20 past three, 25 past three, I'm not at Kenworth Road on Saturday. I was at Edgebaston following my other sport in love. But I was getting messages through. Uh, and at 25 past three, I think I was banned from Kenworth Road. But 25 past five, I'm allowed back in again. It all went a bit pear-shaped. We'll go with the first half first. That's good a first half performance as you've seen from the town in the championship. In the championship, yeah, sublime. It was as good as um, the one against Portsmouth in the snow. Um, the first half, yeah, absolutely sensational. They're just 
chasing after the Swansea defenders high up, making them make um, mistakes, winning the ball back, as you saw with uh, the first goal when Cornick nicked it off the player and, and got a penalty. Um, and then some absolutely fantastic goals. The um, the uh, first one from Berry, obviously acrobatic, is the sort of it got me off my seat and um, it doesn't often. Happen it must that. have been good then. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but the the third one, the the play for that. I mean, Cal Naismith um, smashing Hollywood balls across the park for the final half was glorious. Uh, to pick out Bree is one thing, but for then Bree to roll it through the box on a plate for Adebayo it is, is another. It was, it was it was perfect, and I mean they should have they should have probably had more maybe and gone in even even higher up. And yeah, I mean from how bad Swansea were and how good Luton were in the first half, I didn't see that second half coming. I was I was in the press room at, at half time, just going, well, you know what's going to happen now. This will be the most boring second half in living memory um, because you're that far high up that the team that Swansea looked demoralised and you just think there's nothing nothing bad can happen here and famous last words really because I've never seen I think that you know the game of two halves is, is a very frequently used analogy but I've never seen them that contrasting I don't think it, it, it was incredible um you know, and in the wake of it, you know, at the mid, at the time, you're sort of absolutely deflated by it all. In the wake of it, I'm a bit more philosophical about the manner of it because, let's face it, they've, by virtue of a couple of deflections, they've smashed three worldies, haven't they? And it's not like they tore Luton apart. They did have all the ball. But, you know, if you're going to, you can't go after them the way they did in the first half and run around for the whole game. They've just had, you know, two games that week before. So the idea, I guess, would be to like employ a low block and say, well, come on then, you've got a score from miles out or or somehow pass it through us. And, you know, the, the odds of that are that that's unlikely, certainly three times uh, in terms of scoring long range goals. They didn't really get in behind them, but that's exactly what happened. So it was... You know, once the first one went in, they they just had a little sort of five, ten minute period where I thought they've weathered this. And then the first one goes in off a massive deflection and Sluga doing his best to try and keep out. I think he probably had to go the other direction, didn't he? The ball went the other way. But when that sort of just bounces over the line, even though he's he's got something on it, you're thinking, oh, this could be this could be a worry. And uh yeah, it just the minute that the, you know, it was three two, and the minute that the fourth official holds up six minutes, I don't know where they came from. You go, well, they're, they're not going to hold out here, um, you know. But that wasn't really much of an argument the, the length of the time because they scored in what the second minute of injury time, which would have been fairly standard. Um, the fact is that Luton could have lost that. You know, Slugger rushes out at the end, a bit recklessly, and Lockyer and Burke have to clean it up. Um, it could have gone really bad, but uh, yeah. So it, it's it's a philosophical one that yeah, it is points lost, but Swansea have had to pull three crackers out the bag to to do it. And you know, if if Luton are going to you know match teams of uh, their ability and their budget this season, 
great if they're going to do it with um, a hugely depleted injury and illness hit squad. Things are okay, actually. I mean, if you really look at it and analyse it, it's just that you don't want that to happen and it's going, but they're going to be okay this season. Yeah, we'll come on to it later, but I prepped for this podcast this morning and Luton were in 13th and I record this podcast and Luton are in 12th, so that's the weird shit that can happen in the championships. Um, Danny, you was at the game on... Um, mm-hmm. On Saturday, let's concentrate on that first half first. Um, because in particular, Elijah Adebayo, he was, well, he was excellent, wasn't he? And I've been waiting for the performance from Adebayo. Not that I've not rated him before, because I, re- I really, really have. But the performance that says to me that we've got a significant upgrade on James Collins, and this is nothing against James Collins, who we've loved on this podcast. But there are a few things that Adebayo did on Saturday. I've watched this game back. I'm not just blagging it. And um, that Collins wouldn't have done. And and there was one, wasn't there? He ran through for his hat-trick chance, lifted it over the keeper, but lifted it wide. Collins wouldn't have been able to do that. He hasn't got that turn of speed. And there's a couple of other things uh, where he got the ball in sort of wider areas, which, again, um, Collins wouldn't do. It's, he's kind of given us the impression now that he's he, he's settled in and he, and he really is the future in that number nine role. I think so, yeah. I mean, he, he impressed me again. It was another case. I mean, if, if you look particularly at his second goal, when uh, the wonder, wonder ball from Naismith, the cross by Bree, it actually gets to the back post, rolling across the grass. And it, it seemed like it took forever to get there as well. And uh, But he's, he's there, he's in those positions. And Collins was good at getting in those positions, but he wasn't always great at finishing them off sort of thing. I might be being a bit unfair on him, but I just felt that, Adebayo's getting in those positions and he's he's starting to put chances away. I mean, he's he's still adapting to the championship, I think. Um, but he's he's young, so he's he's and he's only been playing it a few months. Um, but I, I think he's been he's been a brilliant addition and he certainly put himself about on Saturday. Um he did brilliantly at Bristol City when he came on. And I think he's been he's he's been absolutely brilliant. I was saying to a Coventry fan earlier actually, um, that I don't think we miss Collins that much. Really, I mean, he, Collins did come out with being top scorer for every year he was here. I think I might be wrong on that. I'm sure he was top scorer every year. If you um, are wrong, we've got the man to tell you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, I, I overall, like, like you say, I think Adebayo gives you a little bit more. You know, he'll come out wide. He'll he'll drop deeper. I mean, well, Collins used to drop deeper than anybody. He'd drop back to, back with Sonny Bradley half the time, wouldn't he? Um, but I, I just think Adebay gives you that little bit more as, as that rawness about him. And I, I quite like him. He reminds me a little bit of Steve Howard in a lot of ways. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can, I can can see that. He's, um, like you say, he is raw, but there's definitely something there. And I'm looking forward to seeing um, the progress. Uh, Simon, definitely. when um, when we did the last podcast, we spoke about the Peter Kioso transfer. And uh, there was a lot of disgruntlement because not many people rate James Breeze. So it's actually, we should actually big up James Breeze's role in that third goal. Uh, not just the cross that uh, meant that Adebayo couldn't miss, but the touch from the excellent pass from Naismith could easily have got away from a player, particularly one who's more of a defensive player than an attacking one. But he didn't have to break stride to place that cross, did he? It was a lovely bit of football. Indeed it was. I mean, the whole goal was, was superb. I mean, the tap-in... You know, I wouldn't say fairly straightforward for Adibayo, but it, it was a, a wonderful pass that a striker would just, you know, love to convert. But the ball from Naismith, as you say, it was a brilliant ball from Cal, and, and Bree on the run just brings it down. And he's done that a few times, and I think sometimes that's forgotten if 
the cross doesn't lead to anything. Um, you know, and as much as the pass is brilliant, so is the control got to be from, from the player. Um, and we've seen Henry Lansbury um, do that a few times as well. And other players have, have brought it down occasionally. It's slightly out, but, you know, it's been brilliant and, um, you know, wonderful control from Bree. And I think, you know, he is clearly the first choice right back. We've got options with Jordan Clark filling in in that position as well. Um, so, you know, th- there were options ahead of Peter Chioso as, as well as he has played in a couple of games that he's had this season and that we've seen in last year. But, um, you know, it, it's understandable why he would want to go out and get regular football. Yeah, 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 no, that's fair enough. We did that on the last podcast. We won't dwell on that. But we will just cover the second half. James, like you say, the goals were worldies. And I, I guess to an extent they were coming. But was it really more uh, kind of um, a legacy of two long away games? Not just long away games, but the fact that we had to go 98 minutes at full pelt in the first one, 95 minutes at full pelt in the second one. It wasn't like either game was level after 70 minutes and fizzled out. You know, they were full pelt. The second one was a Wednesday night. And this one was a Saturday lunchtime. We've just lost a player in the warm-up. There was so much. Was it literally just the petrol tank was empty? Yeah, people don't want to hear that, actually. But, you know, they it's don't, true. but it is, it's true. It's, they're, they're human they're, beings, aren't they, at the yeah, end of the day? Yeah, they're knackered. I mean, everybody always remarks about the high intensity and quality of the Premier League. But most of the time, those teams are playing once a week. They've played twice before. They've been on the road. They've been absolutely devastated by injuries and people dropping down with illnesses. You know, Adebayo was coming off the injury himself. So to have the actual week that he did was, was something. Um, yeah, it just takes a toll. Uh, the, the way that they were pressing in the first half against Swansea was so thrilling. I don't think you can necessarily do that the entire game. You, you might have to sort of do it sensibly and you know sit back for a bit and then and then go again. But if you've had those two games that have gone right to the wire, over the wire, in fact, then yeah. I mean, it's any way you slice it, people are just going to be disappointed in life because of the way it happened. But I think that's why I'm not too down about it, really. Is like when you look at the goals, obviously, crackers, um, you look at the circumstances, got a threadbare squad at the moment. They're doing, you know, absolutely amazing stuff uh, with not having been able to choose their first choice squad yet, let alone team, probably. So it bodes well that when those players come back, um, you know, you've got some longish term injuries with Fred and Alan Campbell, but I asked Nathan at the weekend sort of what's the prognosis and he was through the ligament injuries of sort of four to six weeks. So it's not huge amount of time now. When they get their, those players back, you know, Fred's got pace to burn, Alan Campbell will run all day and, and do that job. So they'll have more of that ability to keep it up for longer, I would have thought. It's just one of those. It's just one of those things, really. Momentum's a key thing as well in football and sport, isn't it? And you know, Swansea wrestled it back somehow. I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, they changed some players and they, they sort out the midfield a little bit. Um, but that's a championship, isn't it? Uh, you know, I think um, th- th- there's there's no getting away from it that you don't expect and you don't want to be losing three goals um, in any game, really. But you know where they are. They're sort of still knocking around the mid-table. I know we're going to talk about it later, but the fact that some other clubs are getting docked points means the likelihood of Luton being involved in a relegation battle, anyway, I thought would be a slim. But 
the mathemat mathematical ramifications of that means it's even even better. So things are looking really good for Luton. I think it's just, yeah, it, everyone's going to be disappointed the way that happened, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. It's just kicking the guts, isn't it? But we uh, will move on. I mean, Danny, actually, for all that Swansea were much better in that second half, and obviously they were much better in the second half, we still had the best chance of it. You referred to it earlier with Harry Cornick. I mean, mm. you know, yes, he's got to score and obviously then the game is absolutely to bed and he hasn't missed it on purpose or anything, but just what a chance. I mean, as soon as Adebayo gets it, he's got two options. He either takes it, drops his right shoulder and has a, has a poke on his left foot or he lays it to Harry Cornick. And I think in, in balance of it, it was the right thing to do because Harry Cornick was square open and he's only got to not think about it and hit it. I said that about his chance against Sheffield United in the last episode. If you give him too much time to think, he tends to fluff his lines. But it, I, I, it's frustrating for Cornick because there's a great player in now. I don't think he's a, as, as much as a forward. He's more of a winger, isn't he? Um, and I think he just... I, I don't think he panicked. I think he tries too hard to finish it. And I think it can either go really well or spectacularly wrong. And it's, it's just unfortunate because if he hits that, it's, we're home and dry, really. Um, when it's still over half an hour to play. But on the balance of that, you... You're 4-0 up for just over half an hour. You shouldn't really be throwing that away. 3-0 shouldn't really happen either, but 4-0, you think, well, it's, it, the game's done and dusted, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought exactly. Koenig was fantastic, though, barring... I was he had a great game. I'm, I'm, he, I'm not, I'm and he's been, it's been really good for a couple of games, actually. He's been really... He I thought, you know, barring that miss and the fact he got taken off and the result, he was up there vying for my man of the match. He's, he's been really good, I think. It's just... Yeah, his finishing does occasionally let him down, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a shame. Okay. Because Not occasionally, I mean frequently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he only got one goal last year and when he got two goals early on this year, I thought, hang on a minute, we could get double figures out of him again. Um, I but, reckon that's why he might be playing so well. The confidence would have been higher because he's not worrying about getting that goal. He's got it already and he's yeah. just looking like... He's, He's I think great. It's better, and he's he's getting yeah. into positions where he can deliver a, a ball more. And was, last season, I was I always thought that the the fullback had his number, and he didn't really have mm. any options. But but I, I mean, think he's better now. He's much better. I mean, if you look at his work rate for winning the penalty as well, mm. I mean, he it bats into the guy, loses loses the ball, wins it back, and the guy's lost him, and his only option is to bring him down. I mean, it's a stonewall penalty all day long, mm. and that's down to him. You know, he is like you say, his work rates improved massively. He's getting into positions that he wouldn't have necessarily done last year, and he's making more of an impact. And I think if he continues to do that, the goal, the goals will come for him. I think if he just doesn't dwell too much on it and just helps the bloody thing, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> might be a bit better for him. That, we've always said, haven't we? If he was a natural finisher, he wouldn't be playing for Luton. So we do no. have to balance that out a little bit but like James said he did have an excellent game and I thought he was excellent at Bristol City considering he had to throw it with a wet ball rather than a dry one that the um, yeah. Bristol City fell at it but that's that the did, last time that did I'll make me laugh that's the last time I'll comment on that Simon just before we finish these three games uh, I want to make recognition to the young player of the year from last season Aidan Francis Clark. he probably wouldn't have wanted to get on the bench on Saturday in the manner that he did i.e. via an injury in the warm-up to Danny Hilton but um it's fantastic that youth is getting a chance, even if it's in lesser lesser circumstances than we would like. Dion Pereira has obviously been on the bench throughout 
all of the league games, I think, maybe bar one. Now, and now Aiden's on there. The, the, the youngsters, they can see that there's a pathway there now. Yeah, and that's uh, very key, as you say. You, you don't want it to be in the circumstances that it's been in, but, you know, every player's got to take the opportunity when it comes along, and that counts for perhaps squad members that aren't regular starters down to the young players that just want the opportunity to progress their career and to get seen and to get the, the chance to show what they can do on the championship pitch. And um, great for the young lad. Um, obviously thrived on the occasion and really enjoyed it. Didn't get any minutes on the pitch, but it's great experience. And, you know, even training with the first team players and getting that opportunity to, to be involved in the match day squad. You know, there's often a couple of them sometimes traveling away as well, just to, um, you know, be there if they're required um, to. So, yeah, great. And, you know, that's one of the things that Luton have thrived on over the years, isn't it? Um, with regards to uh, the youth coming through and developing and it, the higher up the uh, pyramid you go, the harder it is for them because, of you know, they've got to be a better quality. It's different being non-league in the conference as we were for five years than it is playing in the championship. Um, but the fact that we've got players that are capable of, of uh, being in the squad when required um, it's fantastic news for Luton going forward. It certainly is. And he's clearly highly thought of because in the last two development games, Sonny Bradley has played and Glenn Ray has played in mm. today's one. Uh, yet um, Francis Clark captained uh, the team in the game that Sonny Bradley played in. So uh, that's fair play to him. He's obviously making good strides. And well done to the development team for winning earlier on this afternoon. Any team that beats Stevenage is good in my book. So... Um, Congratulations to them. James, this squad depth thing, we're going to have to use it, aren't we? Because these injuries start to mount up. You mentioned Fred and Alan Campbell. Even if they're only out for six weeks, that's about 10 games in the championship, isn't it? So um, that's not good. Obviously, Danny's got uh, got injured in the warm-up. I didn't actually see any reference to what he did, so I don't know. Calf. It's calf. Calf, Calf, is it? Okay. Uh, Admiral Musquay, I think, was a hamstring at um, Blackburn. Hasn't been seen since. Um, there are an awful lot of players. Sonny Bradley hasn't been seen since Bristol City. Uh, Dan Potts hasn't been seen since Blackburn. We are miss. We are starting to miss a lot. These these injuries are starting to become sort of serious now, aren't they? And and not so much just the injuries, but the fact there's no football for the players that are injured to get get back into the swing of things, and therefore the risk of them getting injured again is too high. Yeah, I think the, di- the difficulty obviously is bringing them back, isn't it? Once they've been out for that long, as it saw with um, Sonny Bradley. I mean, he was obviously out with COVID, which struck him down. But then, you know, to get injured in, he got injured in warm up, didn't he? I think uh, um, at Bristol City, yeah. Yeah, I think so, he, I think he failed a fitness test, didn't he? I don't think it was an actual. I think uh, he was injured in the lead up to it, and they were going to try him because Cal Naismith's injured, but it, they couldn't, they couldn't go with Sonny. They went with Cal in the end. Yeah. I mean, it's the cumulative stuff of it, really. That, and the fact that for three games in a row, it's happened in the warm-up. Um, I, just, I don't think you can account for that. It's just pure bad luck. Um, because the players that played, uh, you know, if you just take that first half against Swansea, um, they're, they're fit and raring to go, but can they do it constantly? Uh, and the, the answer from that game is no. <laughs> um and that's the worry. So whether you have to adapt the way you play slightly until you've got more um, more men in the ranks, I don't know. But um, yeah, the disappointing ones are those are the ones. I don't think you can avoid things like calves getting done in in the warm up, like Danny Hill and stuff. But Jordan Clark should have never been out uh, for that long. 
I mean, that challenge can happen, but that shouldn't be a legal challenge. The goalkeeper shouldn't be coming out. And if he does, then he should get red card. That still wouldn't have stopped Jordan Clark cracking a bone in his neck or whatever. But if, if you're not allowed to make that challenge, the goalkeeper doesn't come out and do it. So Jordan Clark doesn't get thwacked and he doesn't miss four or five games. And the, the challenge against Cannibal was scandalous. That should have been a red as well. Um, you know, that could, that's a, that's, the fact he's only come away with the ligament damage is quite miraculous, really. That's a leg breaker. But he was just starting to come good, just started to settle in. Uh, the, the game he played before that, uh, you know, I think we remarked, me and you, that he was like a Duracell bunny, just non-stop. Um, what, what you might have to do is... Uh, uh, stop interviewing players you want to play the next game because <laughs> as soon as you I, gonna, him, I knew someone was going to blame me it hasn't actually happened until now but I knew someone was going to blame me eventually um, yeah those ones they shouldn't happen um, but I don't know how I mean you get, everyone's going to have to live with COVID that might you know get that might get one or two players throughout the season illness wise um and little pulls and strains are the sort of thing that you have to accept in football, but to have them all happen at once, um, I, I, I wonder whether he might have to just sort of change the way he plays, which I don't want to see because the way they did play and have played those three games, two and a half games, take away that second half against Swansea, is exactly the sort of Luton that Nathan did. Uh, Nathan, uh, I was going to say invented, but he didn't, but he cultivated, that's the word. Uh, and that's what got him through the league so thrillingly. And, you know, after a pragmatic couple of seasons in the Championship to establish themselves, that's, that was the next progression and the evolution you want to see. And it will happen. It's just like the kind of, you might have to just accept that it won't for a, a couple of weeks while players come back. So we'll see. Yeah, fortunately, there's an international break in three games time. I know we hate international breaks on here, but sometimes they do come around at the uh, right time and it looks like this one is going to come around at the right time. Right, we'll finish this part of the podcast with um, a couple of player focuses. And the first one, we, the first one we're going to focus on is the summer signing Henry Lansbury. There's an incident that's done the rounds on social media and we've got to discuss it, but we'll discuss it at the end of this player focus because there's an absolute load of bollocks what's been written about it. But it's first of all though, Danny, the player, Henry Lansbury. I mean, uh, EA Sports have brought out their um, FIFA 22 ratings today and Henry Lansbury's got a less than 70 for passing. Now, someone hasn't seen him play clearly because he is one of the best passers of the ball I've seen in a Luton shirt for a long time. Yeah, I mean, he's... <clears throat> I mean, he was bought in for his experience in the Championship where he's played most of his career. So, and when he hasn't, he's been in the Premier League a couple of seasons as well. Uh, with Villa um, and that shows you know we, we needed somebody in that midfield who, who was seasoned in the championship that can you know make those passes that somebody coming on with, with respect to players coming from a lower level um, wouldn't be able to see um, and he's been a welcome addition he hasn't played too many games I think though with Campbell's injury I think it'll probably most likely feature a bit more now Um and yeah, I think he's been a brilliant signing. Certainly a welcome, experienced head inside that we we very much needed. I think we've been missing 
that kind of player for a couple of seasons that we've been in the championship. Uh, it's a good signing, very good signing. 69 years for passing, so these ratings must be out of 1,000. Um, Simon, he was very good at Bristol City, wasn't he? I thought he changed the game at um, West Brom when he came on at half-time as well. We were getting absolutely overran in midfield in that day. Um, he's just got that experienced head, hasn't he? But we mentioned his f- uh, first touch with James Bree earlier. Henry Lansbury's first touch, I mean, it's almost like he's got Velcro on his boots because it doesn't leave his foot. It's, it's just fantastic. But his passing range... And the way he fizzes a pass into a player so that it gets to the player is what I really like. You know, there's no 50-50 in the in the receiving player's mind. That ball is getting to me. I've just got to make my run onto it. Exactly, yeah. And I think, you know, we spoke about Cal Naismith earlier and that is a Henry Lansbury pass, isn't it? It's it's the crossfield pinpoint straight at the um, attacking fullback. Um, and, he, and Lansbury spots that. Um, and I think, you know, other players seeing him do that and what he's capable of uh, are developing their skills as well at the same time um, to be aware that that pass is available. And, you know, they're obviously practising uh, being able to, to swing one out like that. But he, he just changes the games at times with the way he can bring out a player who's on the move and who's creating space. Um, you know, and, and he is he's been excellent for us. I really I think it's been a very impressive signing. Um, he's obviously bringing experience. I know it hasn't necessarily worked out at other clubs or he's not perhaps lived up to um, some of it. But, you know, he's got the quality there. Um, my biggest fear is that he's going to spend parts of the season suspended. Um, he's already picked up four yellow cards in the league and one in the League Cup. So he's already, I think, only one yellow in the league away from the uh, the first suspension, um, which is two matches, isn't it? So, you know, that's a big one to keep an eye on. Um and then, of course, he'll be on for the 10 yellows probably before the next deadline. So it is a fear, but, you know, it's it's part and parcel of part of the game, but he's perhaps picking up more than he needed to. Yeah, his defensive skills could do some work. Is it two games for five, five yellows or is it one game? They've changed it now, have they? I thought it was... Is it is it not two for... Is it just one, is it, for the first I think five? it's one for five and then two for 10 and three for 15. And I suppose he'll probably be on for that as well, wouldn't he? But they do... It and I must admit, I'm not aware of exactly what it is, but you're right, he is dangerously close to the wind. What do you make of him, James? I'm a little bit infatuated with him, I think. <laughs> I think he's, yeah, I, I am too. He's, he very much reminds me of Shinny at the levels that when Shinny came into the side, in that you could tell that in terms of his ball control and what he does with the ball, he's way above the level. Yeah, well, I, the only thing I knew about Henry Lansbury uh, before he came to Luton was he had a decent left peg, but I thought he was a bit of a... Um, a fancy Dan player, but the game against Barnsley where he was sticking his boot in and throwing his body on the line for everything uh, to keep them out showed me that that was wrong and he's carried on with that. Um, he's, he's aggressive. Like you say, he's got a wonderful pass on him. Sooner or later, he's going to stick a free kick in the top bins. Um, all, all those great things. He organises as well and that's, that's his vocal and his experience, but you know, I know we're going to talk about uh, the the challenge against Swansea, but and the fact that he probably will get suspended. But honestly, I love it. <laughs> I love yeah, I that he's too. so aggressive and uh, he's just too. sticking the boot in. And it's been said before by Nathan even that Luton is often too nice, and he's just in there kicking people up in the air. And he's got the quality on the other side of the game as well to to talk volumes. I think it's. It's exactly what Luton needed. I don't know if he's going to be able to play every game, uh, just fitness and age-wise either, but 
you know, when he's on the pitch, I think um, there's a little bit of bite and I think he's gloriously snide. I think he's wonderful. <laughs> sort, of, sort of player that if he's on your side and your team, you've just got to love. He's like Danny Hilton in that way. You know, if he's against you, you'll hate him. But on your side, brilliant. He can kick more people up in the air as far as I'm concerned, as long as the refs don't see. Yeah, I'll keep something out of this because, again, I don't want to get him into trouble. But this challenge on Saturday, wherever you look on social media, um, and I think Dermot Gallagher even said that it should have been a red card. I mean, I'm struggling to, I'm, I'm struggling here. I mean, first of all, Ryan Manning shouldn't be anywhere near the football anyway. It's our free kick. Pop, your, pop yourself back 10 yards, son, and there's absolutely no problem here. Secondly, you may as well have been Bernard Manning for the football ability that you've got anyway. All you did was spend all day rolling around on the floor. You know, not exactly a footballer anyway. You almost deserve to be booted up in the air. But thirdly, that free, that, that very move that Lansbury did, trying to get the ball out straight down the line, was what set our goal up at Barnsley. It's clearly something that we work on. So, you know, I've no problem with him doing it, but this nonsense about it being a red card, I'm sorry, no, you should not be anywhere near that ball when our free kick is being taken. So piss off mm. back 10 yards and we'll crack on. Yeah, I'm not having it either. I mean, I think there's two things that I can see it from both sides. You could say that um, Manning sort of comes out, uh, he's not in his eye line, but I think there's enough time for Henry to not follow through with his kick. I think he could have done that. That that was that he could have maybe just clipped him a little bit, just but he, he could have stopped his leg. The fact that he swung his leg full, oh and, no! When he's had a split off. second he to see the ball go, away. boot him as hard as you can. No, like I just said, I am all in favour. I think it's absolutely wonderful. But I can see why they're saying that he, he probably didn't have to boot him. I, I don't think he did, but it let him know he was there, and he shouldn't been kicking the ball away. So I think in the on the balance of it. A yellow card for for both of them is is, is probably all right. Um, I mean, what kind of tool kicks the ball away when you're three 0 down anyway? I mean, I know they say footballers haven't got many brains, but this fella definitely clearly hasn't, has he? I mean, come on, help <laughs> yeah. me out here, Danny, please. I think Manning knew exactly what he was trying to do. I think I I, don't, I wouldn't say he was trying to time waste. I think he was just trying to I don't know stop us in the momentum because we're three nil up we're 28 minutes in and we're three nil up and you know, another free kick, like you say, a kick like that from Lansbury, we scored at Barnsley from. So I think they probably looked at that and thought, right, anytime you can stop them taking free, free kicks, try and do it. And that little twat happened to be in the right place at the right time, didn't he? And I, I watched him after that and he was, he was well up for winding the crowd up. I, re I remember him looking at us when it went three, two, we was looking at the crowd going, going, yeah, come on and stuff. And like you were saying about um, Lansbury and Danny Hilton, it's shithousery at its finest. And if he's on your team, you love him. If mm. he's not, you hate him. Um, I didn't think he was a particularly good footballer either. But going back to the incident, he, he, like you say, he should be nowhere near it. I get why he was doing it. I, th I think it was part of the game plan to slow us down. Um, Lansbury shouldn't, shouldn't have kicked him really I, I don't think he meant to do it at all I mean I've had people tell me that he knew exactly what he was doing uh, but there are people that don't watch Luton every week um, who have, have seen that and the, the clip that he's doing the rounds I don't think tells the full story either because it doesn't show why the free kick was given or where do you know what I mean there's there's loads of loads of little scenarios that needed to be shown first before you show a little clip of Lansbury kicking a player 
who just happens to be near him. They just think that he's swiped him purposely. And that it just isn't the case. You know, it is simple as we had a free kick. We wanted to take it. Manning wanted to stop it. So he steps in, doesn't keep his line, kick his yards, steps in, kicks the ball just as Lansbury's about to pelt it upfield. And he gets caught. Um, and that was the only time out of about three or four times that he went down screaming like a girl where I think there was actual contact. So, um, yeah, so I'm glad he got hurt then. But, uh, yeah, I, I, like James said, I think a yellow card each was probably fair. A bit harsh on Lansby, really, because I genuinely think he was trying to play the ball. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, Manning, not my kind of football. footballer. Spent more time rolling the lawn than he did playing football. Um, <laughs> start, Simon, let's go to uh, the second player focus. Uh, a big player, actually, for the last week, uh, Luke Berry, who I think it's fair to say when we would have done the last podcast during the international break, I think a lot of people were wondering if Barry was going to get sort of phased out a little bit and uh, there not be a place for him, whether it's a, whether there's been a place for him because of injuries or because he's forced his way in and training or whatever it is. It's definitely a place for him now because three goals in a week, he's probably one of our most important players right now. Yeah, indeed. I mean, he's made a massive impact, hasn't he, since coming back in? And as you, we spoke earlier about opportunities for young players and I said it's the same for squad players that, you know, he, he potentially wouldn't have had those opportunities without necessarily some of the injuries, some of the, what's happened. Um, so, but he's grasped it. He's taken it. He's shown what a player he is. He's shown um, that, you know, he's capable of doing things in the championship that he was doing years ago at a lower level. Um, but he's also, I think he's improved certain aspects of his game. Um, and, he, you know, he's getting there. He's in those right places at the right time. Um, and he's averaging three goal, uh, averaging a goal every fifty-five minutes in the, at the moment. So not including injury time, which has helped slightly on uh, one of them. But you know, it's it, three goals in three appearances. Um, you know, fantastic for Barry, and uh, you know, thoroughly deserved. Um, I mean, the, the goal the other day was a stunning strike, wasn't it, against Swansea? I mean, really, you know, an acrobatic mid-air, um, connected cleanly on target, um, and the power to beat the keeper. Um, the other two were right place, but it's the movement from that midfield position to be there and to be aware of what's happening around you. You know, when you're seeing the cross coming in, to be in the position to be on the end of it, when you're seeing Cameron Jerome leaping in the air to run into the position where he can see you and head it into your path. Um, and that's all that what makes Luke Berry, uh, you know, a, a great player to have within the squad, whether he's not playing week in, week out in the starting eleven, but certainly there to support when required. Yeah, his two goals at Blackburn were so smart, weren't they? Because they were so different. The first one, uh, we should we didn't recognise it earlier, but the chest control from Pelly Ruddock to get beyond the last defender mm. to put the ball across, that's that's all that's all well and good. But if Berry doesn't read the play and get in front of the defender, the defender clears it, we'd probably lose the game 2-0. But he did get in front of the defender. OK, it scuffed, the shot was scuffed, time mm. stopped wide. Was it going to go inside the post? Mm. Was it going to go outside the post? Mm. Thankfully, it went inside the post. And then his second one, like you mentioned, to recognise that the ball was going on to Jerome, that there was space, to mm. bring it down, to finish. OK, he, he could do with hurdling microphones a little bit better, but you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll let him have that. To, to really different goals and actually James I'm, I've just been thinking back to sort of podcasts that we did last season where we were crying out for midfielders to run beyond strikers and you know we were saying it a lot weren't we Collins needs someone to run behind run beyond him we haven't had that but that's exactly what Barry's doing at the minute he, he also got um, 
got the chance against Bristol City, didn't he? Running beyond the defenders and being the first to react to that Lansbury miss. He was in the box, obviously, to score on Saturday. That's a that's a vital component that we've not had for a while. Yeah, it is. I mean, Pelly was uh, sort of starting to do that last season, but um, you know, to be honest, he can't hit a bounder of a banjo <laughs> most of the time, can he? So well, he's better from thirty yards than three anyway. He is. But but Berry was bought as a goal scoring midfielder, albeit you know it's League Two. He's got goal scoring instinct, as as the goals and their variety have shown uh, in the last week. I mean, the the equaliser at. Um, Blackburn was absolutely sublime for every part of it, uh, not just his control, but yeah, the, the ball out to uh, the out to the wing and Jerome's header and stuff. But the actual takedown on the chest and uh, shoot first time, absolutely wonderful instinct. Um, and then you know to pull off a scissor, acrobatic flying scissor kick thing uh, shows his confidence is high. Um, but I think it's probably just that the, the players that are around, uh, the players that are in midfield that are able to allow him to go up there and express him and do do what he does. If you've got Lansbury at the back um, doing everything he does, and um, albeit not at the weekend, but Campbell uh, running around, harrying people and doing all the dirty work, and and Pelly as well. Really, he's, he looks like he's getting stronger. And I'll show previous to where uh, to that as well. Yeah, it just allows him to be that more forward play. Um, you know, he, he can he can do that dirty stuff uh, and the gritty stuff, and the gritty stuff is as well. But it's not. I don't think it's his game necessarily. It is getting up there and supporting the, the strikers and supporting the play and, and finding those little runs. Um, and yeah, great great for him because I I was like you. You said at the start of this segment, I thought it probably his 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 time at Luton was being edged out, as as probably Hilton as well. And they've they've both, you know, two two players signed in League Two score extra time goals to earn points, and suddenly everybody's opinion changes. Well, mine mine has. I there's some people that won't ever change their opinion on them, will they? But um, yeah, I, it's, I think it's brilliant, and. Um, it, it is exactly what Luton need. They need more goals from midfield because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, as, as wonderful as uh, Keenan Dewsbury Hall and Kelly Roddick were last season, they weren't scoring a whole, hell of a lot. So it, it just makes Luton's attacking abilities when all those players come back in anyway with Musquay and Onya Dim. It just adds a lot more excitement and a lot more feeling like they're going to, they're not just going to be able to like score one goal as it was a lot last season. There's, there's more goals in this team and that's, it's, it's exciting, isn't it? You add to the pace as well. And it's, you know, they, that, that can stretch teams and, and that might give Berry more pockets of space just, just behind that front line, whether it's three or two to, to operate in and, and that's kind of what he got in League Two, and maybe the the pragmatic football of the last, you know, the first two seasons or the first season and a half of of Luton's was uh, it didn't suit that game, but maybe it's coming out a bit more. He might well get a lot of chances um, this season, Danny. In fact, whoever plays in that number ten role, whether it's him or Jordan Clark, because obviously we've got Elijah as our main focal point of the attack, but we've also got Cameron Jerome, so there is going to be an element of going direct into those who, particularly away from home, 
So mm-hmm. the number 10 winning the second ball and profiting from it is is a tactic that we can exploit. Definitely. And it, it makes a difference having somebody like Jerome as well. I've, in the two games, I mean, I saw the Barry's equaliser at Blackburn and I watched him, Jerome, when he came on at West Brom and he made such a difference up top. Um, you know, I, I can't remember the last time we had somebody who can win balls in the air, knock them down for someone to then run into. Um, so that Barry's equaliser, as well as it being a very late equaliser, it was very pleasing on the eye as well. And the fact that the old Luton way seems to be returning again um, because we've got that outlet. And like you say, we're playing to Barry's strengths. He can get him into those positions and come up with a goal here and there. And which is what he was brought in to do, and and to see him come through League Two on the journey with with us, as a few few of the others from League Two are still with us. You know they've come on the journey and they're all playing the part in the Championship. Um, there was a little discussion whether he like like James said whether he and Hilton would be moved out. Um, obviously they did try and get rid of Hilton. Um, I don't think he'd drag him out kicking and without kicking and screaming. Uh, by the sounds of it. And that's good, you know, that it, it, it's a good example of Luton being able to pick players up from the lower leagues as well to to then make make that progression up. And uh, they've done that with the club and thankfully not moved on like others would have. Um, but yeah, but Berry's just been absolutely brilliant to come in. Um, he's, he's been unlucky with injury. He's had a couple of nasty injuries. Um, but when he's come back, he's he's just shown us what, what a player we've missed. You know, we don't have many like him, really. Um, I, th- I think Clark's a different kind of attacking midfielder to him, um, to Barry. I, it, in a way, I, I find it difficult to describe what I'm trying to say there. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see him back in the side and long may he continue grabbing goals here and there by the scruff of the neck when, when we need him most. I think that's what, what we've missed over the last couple of years, been in the Championship. Yeah, uh, I mean, Simon, you mentioned about bookings to uh, Lansbury. That microphone might have saved Berry a booking at um, Blackburn because he was straight in the crowd, wasn't he, if he hadn't got tripped over by that microphone. So, we, you know, there would have been some serious scenes and everything. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know who could have blamed him, you know, obviously after the 18 months he's had. There would have been some great scenes if he'd, if he'd skipped that microphone and got to the looting end. Yeah, indeed. I mean, looking back on it, I think he's actually pushed it out of the way and it's bounced back and in, into him to fall over. I mean, it was brilliant. And when I interviewed him post-match, I, I wasn't going to raise it and he actually brought it up. But, uh, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was funny. But yeah, great scenes. Fantastic for, you know, all the travelling fans that were there and for those watching on iFollow and listening. And, you know, just uh, a great re- comeback in that second half. And as I said earlier, thoroughly deserved a point for the Hatters and, Great for Luke Berry to, to come back with a bang and two goals on his return. And just before we let you go for the end of this, uh, your blood pressure is returned to normal after two injury time equalisers, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, fantastic. You know, it's uh, the Blackburn one, you know, it was a point from 2 0 down. The, the Bristol City, as you said earlier, you know, expecting to be winning at half time comfortably and thought you'd go on to win it. So, you know, that that was a little bit, it was great, but there was also the thought, well, actually, that should have really been three, but delighted that we kept going and the spirit in the team is obviously fantastic um, to get the point and, you know, great for Danny to get his goal after so long. Um, so, yeah, and then it carried on, didn't it, with 45 minutes against Swansea, you know, and you thought, oh, this is great, but 
as we've discussed already, it, that one didn't turn out quite so well in injury time. No, well, hopefully we'll make up for that in the coming days and there'll be lots more injury time winners this time for you to uh, continue to commentate on. Simon, thanks for joining us for the first part of this podcast. We'll let you go so we don't get you into trouble in part two, but really appreciate your time. Keep up the good work with the commentaries and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks very much. Great to be involved. Okay, we will come back with part two uh, in a short while. Um, In the meantime, make sure you like, subscribe and rate um, the podcast because we will have players coming uh, on the podcast throughout the course of the season. We're going to try and do them during the international breaks as it's a lot easier time-wise for everyone. Um, So the next one will be before the Millwall game and um, nearer the time we'll announce uh, hopefully who that will be. Uh, But join us shortly for part two.